good to be with you to share this morning. I am the greatest. <laughs> Only one laughed. You see who laughed. You know. Who do you think of when you think of that term, I am the greatest? You must be all old. Huh? <laughs> Perhaps some of you thought of somebody else. Maybe it was a coach. I think of the coach that I had in, in high school, Jack Cordier. He was the basketball coach of this little, little dinky, dinky town of Atwater. Those of you know where Atwater is, about 30 miles east of us. And uh, it was Portage County. And for seven years in a row, Little Atwater High School was the Portage County champs in basketball. We won't talk about football. So Jack Cordier was he was he was on the pedestal for we boys. Maybe you thought of some other people, some individuals, maybe one of your teachers. Maybe the greatest school, maybe your grandchild. No, you can't do that because they're all, all the great, aren't they? They're all the greatest children. How do we define greatness? Matthew chapter 20. Get this out of my pocket. See if I can operate this thing again. Like some people who are ahead of me. Matthew 20. Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem... <coughs> going up to Jerusalem, even though they were going south. You know that? That came out in our Sunday school lesson this morning, too. In the Bahamas, we always go up south and down north on the islands. They were going up to Jerusalem. It was on higher elevation, if you want to know the reason why. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles, to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit in my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become just as the Son of... I'm sorry. Who wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. 
Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, it seemed like the Lord knew what was going on here. Of course he did. And these who were there with him needed to learn a lesson. And so he gives them the lesson. And we're going to break that down a little bit and look at a few things of what true greatness is in the eyes of God. First of all, we find that it's hindered by pride. True greatness in God's eyes is hindered by pride. We have a mother here. Her name is Salome. And uh, I know it's not Mother's Day, so we're not going to preach on Salome. We'll save Mother's Day for next week. But she comes to Jesus, and it says that she bowed down. Now, we don't know totally Salome's heart as to what she was doing to start with, but it looked like she's bowed down to Jesus to worship him. And yet, when it comes down to it, she had an ulterior motive, didn't she? She bowed down, and so the appearance was that she was there to worship. But was she really? Really, she came to Jesus to ask a favor or to perhaps get what she wanted. Now, she had two sons with her who were followers of Jesus. And uh, she asked Jesus if her two sons could sit one on the right and one on the left of him in his kingdom. Now, who, did, who was she asking this for? about for herself. Now, we all know that children are the greatest. Our children are the greatest of all children. And the grandchildren are the greatest of all grandchildren. She had two sons that she was proud of. But she had desires for them that were personal. Perhaps was selfish. Why would she ask that they would sit on either side of Jesus? What about the rest of the disciples who were there? What about all the other followers who were there? Selfishly, she wanted her sons to have this prominent place. 
well, she also could have thought the fact that she was the sister of Mary, so Jesus and her two sons were first cousins, and uh, so of course they could have that prominent position and place. The president of Harvard University in the philosophy department, he decided to place a stone lintel above the main entrance to this building with an inscription on it. And so he asked one of the professors, what do you think we should put on the lintel there on this stone as people enter into the building? And uh, the Greek philosopher said, how about man is the measure of all things? Hey, that's pretty good, isn't it? That's so philosophical, and uh, it just broadens the mind. Well, the stone was prepared and was placed in its proper place. So this professor goes by to check it out. And what does he see? What he suggested wasn't on the stone. What was on the stone was, what is man that thou art mindful? Some people are based, have everything based upon themselves and who man is and what man can do rather than what God would want. But the proper statement was made and placed there. You see, pride gets in the way. Pride gets in the way of God working in our lives and using us in a proper way. There's a price involved in greatness. When it comes to greatness, the way to get there is not up. It's down. It's down. descend to greatness. If you are climbing the ladder of success to become great, you know that doesn't last very long. Somebody else will take that spot one day. When Jesus referred to great a great prophet, he said to uh, about John the Baptist, what's one of the statements that was made? He says, he, John, I must decrease. He must increase. So to become great, we lower ourselves. 
Let go of self-centering thinking and looking to the one who is great. Have we cared more about our positions of where we are aiming for rather than humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord? Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. The greatness in God's eyes is hindered by pride. It's also characterized by service. Characterized by service. Something almost, well, I wouldn't say it was comical, but interesting, took place after Salome's request. It said that the disciples who were there, who heard it, were indignant. Can you see them? Can you hear them? going to put these two people ahead of me, ahead of us. They were indignant. Jesus was heading to Calvary. He was on a mission himself, and this was, was vital. On his way to where he's going to be crucified. And here the disciples are bickering amongst each other about who's the greatest. Now, it's possible that the indignancy that they were showing was because, you know, that's a pretty good idea she came up with, wasn't it? Too bad I didn't think about that. Lord, wouldn't it have been great if I'd have thought of that and I could sit beside Jesus in the kingdom and show these other people how good I am, how, how bad I am? As, as, of course, that's the, the, the term that people use, how bad you are, you know. They were indignant. But they didn't think of it. Perhaps they all thought of it too late. Why didn't I think of that? These disciples were mad at James and John. <laughs> well, they didn't come up with the suggestion. They didn't ask the question. Of course, if you want something done, you ask mom to do it, right? So mom did it. Characterized by service. Before things get out of hand, Jesus, of course, took things in his own situation. He taught them in verse 25, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, the, whoever wants to be great among you must be 
your servants. And whoever wants to, to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus had to wake them up. Even though he's been teaching this for these years, he's been demonstrating this for years. And now he has to remind them again. Sometimes it just doesn't sink in, does it? we have to hear the same thing over and over and over again, don't we? But then your wife is telling you something. <laughs> Got to listen. Characterized by service. According to the world, greatness is exercising authority. Coming to a place of power is greatness. Yeah, Muhammad Ali had some power, didn't he? <laughs> it was in his fists. Those of you young people don't know who Muhammad Ali is. But his real name was Cassius Clay, wasn't it? Power. The desire for power. The climbing of the ladder to get to greatness. Greatness in the world is, is having your office, perhaps on the third floor or the fifth floor of the big high-rise building, office building, so you have the beautiful view of the city. Yeah. According to the world, it means power. It means having people under you. Greatness is the office with all the fine furniture, the big high chairs. Having people at your beck and call. Boy, that's greatness. What does Jesus say? Greatness is the servant, not the one being served. God calls us to be servants. The term servant used in the scriptures, diakonos, is a term that officially, most of the time, it means one who waits tables. But the word, the term that we use in the church is deacon. Diaconate. A deacon or deaconess. And those are the ones who serve. Who do we have in our church who are deacons, who are servants? Oh, we could name one or two that are on a committee. But according to what the scriptures say, we are all of the diaconate. Because we are all 
servants, serving our Savior. No matter what the world thinks, no matter how much we climb the ladder, no matter how great we may think we are, it will not last. It does not stay. But God says those who will be called great for eternity are those who are the servants. Characterized by service. The best example of true greatness, of course, would be the cross. Jesus, who died, who surrendered his entire being to a cross for the payment of sin for you and for me. He was truly a servant. Truly a servant. The ransom is paid, the price was paid for our freedom, our freedom in Christ. True greatness is hindered by pride and characterized by service, but it's also practiced by giving. Practiced by giving. So, it's the idea of giving rather than getting. Giving of ourselves rather than sitting back and getting what we think we deserve. Who preaches the best sermon? We've heard some great sermons here. Goss, there's been Preachers from the past that have packed this building. We hear about evangelists, pastors of mega churches. You can find them on the radio. You can find them on TV. You find you can listen to their their sermons. But did you know that the greatest sermon is not the preacher? Evangelist, the greatest sermon is the life that you live. The life that you live. That's the greatest sermon. Jesus said to his disciples as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. This is Matthew 20, verses 29 to 34 wasn't in the scripture reading. But as they were walking, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them. Can you hear them? Oh, come on, shut up. Leave them alone. Jesus is on a mission. Don't bother him. 
The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But what did they do? It says they shouted louder. Have mercy on us. And it says that Jesus stood still. Jesus is still standing still for us. He saw those that had a need. And what did he do? He took the time and the effort to do something about it. It says he took his hand and he touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight. Now, he didn't have to touch them. Other times he healed without touching. But perhaps during this situation where he's on this journey and where he was headed and the questions that just came up with the bickering amongst his followers, he had to show them that it's okay not during a pandemic, but it's okay to touch the needy, to provide for those in need. Doesn't necessarily mean it has to be money, doesn't have to be food, doesn't have to be, it can be any kind of a need. It may be someone who has a, 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 an emotional problem or something has happened, or they're, 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 they're going through a, a sad time. Or had an accident. Someone has passed away in their life. It's okay for us to provide for them. To serve them. It's okay to touch the needy. These two men were desperate. Needing a desperate need of sight. And Jesus reaches down and touches them. Yes, to the crowd, these two men were a nuisance. Out begging. Jesus stood still and met their need. Are we in that position of service? Today, even today where there is great need around the world. There's a great need in the Middle East. Our pastor's going to an area that 
is in great need. We need to be on our knees for him. service, touching hurting people is what being truly great really means. Way back many, 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 many years ago, in fact the date was given of 1835, there was a man, his name was John Lewis Shuck. And he was attending a church service where he normally, where he always attended. And uh, they were taking a special offering for some missionaries. For missionary service. And this, John took out a piece of paper and wrote something on it, and when the plate came by him, he dropped that piece of paper in the offering plate. And later on, when that particular offering was being counted to be able to be sent or given to those who it was designated for, they found this note that was in the plate. It had just four words on it. One was most important. It said, myself. John Lewis Shuck. He was willing to give of himself. He may not have had any change in his pockets or whatever they had back then. dedicated and gave himself for service. That's what God wants from us. Dedication to service. He wants us to give ourselves to him. Maybe Others need to take the example that's being set by our pastor to say yes. To say yes. To be willing to give of yourself to the work 